the second to last shot of the movie is Nick Cage fucking running a Mexican turtle over with his goddamn charger. It's so good. <laughs> listen. Listen. That is one bad ombre is my favorite line in all of cinema. Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron. And I'm an animatronic weasel. And this week, we lock ourselves in an animatronic serial killer training ground as we talk about Willy's Wonderland. Before we subject ourselves to the whims of a cult, remember you can help us on Mortified, The Legitimacy Quest by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, signing up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr at Mortified Pod. Layla, how how did this happen? <laughs> okay, so listeners, friends, listen. I saw a headline on Twitter.com that said that Nicolas Cage was in a Five Nights at Freddy's movie, which make no mistake about it, this is a bootleg Five Nights at Freddy's film. And I thought, oh, hee hee, this will be hilarious and bad. And we should watch it because it will be bad, but like funny bad, you know, worth our time. And so um, I mentioned it to Aaron and I said, hey, this is happening. And then last week, it just so happened that we were doing our usual rigmarole of like, hey, what are we doing next week? Because we've given up on planning. And uh, uh, Aaron's like, hey, we haven't done a movie in a while. And I said, hmm, but do we want to do a good movie or a bad movie? And uh, Aaron said a bad movie. And I said, listen, time to, uh, what about a good old uh, Willy's Wonderland? And he said, oh, God, fine. And now we're here. And here's the thing, listeners. Layla was wrong. Layla didn't pick a bad movie. Layla picked a fucking good movie. an all-time fucking home run listen okay before we get into it aaron do you have a history with five nights at freddy's um i'm like weirdly interested in the lore of it actually i'm sure you know who matt pat is but he does i do not actually oh well he's like this pretty popular youtuber he runs the the game theory channel um and i just watched like a ton of his movies about five nights at freddy's lore when i was in college for some reason um i just like yeah i don't know a dick about fnaf but like that's when it came out in like 2015 it was like super popular then so i was like i guess i'll learn about the weird fnaf conspiracies and so like i do i've never played them because they'd scare the shit out of me because i'm a little baby but like i do kind of know about the five nights at freddy's lore and so like this this movie kind of like follows a similar like something terrible happened at a weird pizza place with animatronics in it and now the animatronics are evil and they you know love to kill what's your history with five nights at freddy's uh so i have played five nights at freddy's i've played five nights at freddy's too uh and the only reason i ever fucking got through it uh because i as well am a weenie baby uh is because other people were watching me play and the spirit of competition just fucking eases all the anxiety and it told me to just get to night four and i did um i did die in night four 
the you know I got there and that's that's the important lesson um however a shout out to John Wolf on YouTube who plays uh horror games so that I don't have to because I think horror is fascinating <laughs> but am again weenie um he played all of them and they get fucking weird yeah i know there's some strange stuff like about how kids get murdered in in the pizza place and like there's like a puppet and there's a purple man but like what do you mean they get weird well there's one where they're like in a factory and there's like multiple rooms happening you have to like crawl through vents and shit yeah yeah, yeah. it's odd it gets it gets it gets odd but you know what Make that bag. Yeah, listen, if I was the person who made Five Nuts at Freddy's, I would, I would, much like Mr. Oda from our last episode, not do anything else because that cash spends. Make that bag, for real. No, uh, but so it, it is curious that I'm not sure if maybe the, he wasn't approached for the rights to make a Five, Night, Five Nights at Freddy's film, or maybe he wasn't, he said no, but uh, this, this, is a, uh, this is a work inspired by... Yeah, <laughs> those good good games. Um, it's in it's in the FNAF genre, um, but uh, basically, yeah, it's the same premise, right? A guy goes into a spooky, haunted um, Chuck E. Cheese like place with you know animatronics that are obviously evil, um, and you know he has to survive the night in order to to get paid. In this case, like his car's tires got popped. Um, but like the whole deal is that you know if he if he survives, he he can he can get his tires repaired for free and they can go home and and it's fine. And of course, you know in this in this universe, all the people that have done this before, you know, have died because they're being sacrificed to these evil animatronics. But the thing that Willy's Wonderland posits is that what if instead of uh you know a harmless janitor with no martial skills. You were Nicholas fucking Cage, and you didn't take any prisoners. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think the most striking thing about this film, because I went in blind, right? I knew nothing. I, I knew that Nick Cage was in it, and that it was basically Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, I refused to read any articles, any coverage, anything at all. I just went in. I was like, fuck it, I have faith. Let's go. Um I was about 20 minutes into the movie, like they were, uh, he was, he was getting shown around Willy's Wonderland. And I, it just struck me that Nicolas Cage had not said a word yet. And folks, he doesn't. <laughs> there are no lines for Mr. Cage. It's all punches. It, it's all punches. It rules. I was actually able to find the whole video on YouTube. Um, so, like, the first YouTube comment was like, Nick Cage doesn't say anything in this movie, and that's great, actually. And it is. Like, listen, we've all seen all the memes. We know that he says the bees, and that's all very good and funny. I think this is actually some of his best acting, like, I've seen in any movie that he's done. <laughs> Listen, I've said it once before, I'll say it again. Movies like this can only work if everyone in them commits to the bit. And Nicolas Cage committed to the fucking bit. I mean, basically, his character is like, he's he's basically a cowboy. Um, and we'll talk about my theory about how Willy's Wonderland is a western here in a bit. I'm fascinated by cowboy. But, um, so he... he He's he comes into this town and like he's very like a, a tough guy and he he's you know we're gonna talk about this but he he fucks up the animatronics in a really funny ways but like there's there's other kids too there's um, Liv who is the adoptive daughter of the sheriff who is evil 
um, and in on it. And there's also Tex, who just looks like Doug Dimmidone, owner uh, of the Dimsdale Dimmidone. Uh, we have to use Tex's uh, government name, which is uh, Tex McAdoo, <laughs> which is objectively the funniest fucking name. That's his last name. And I said this to Marty, Marty who is Canadian, uh, and Marty said, if you told me that was the name of a random generic American, I would believe you. And that is the power of Tex McAdoo. Tex McAdoo is also evil and also kind of a scumbag, and I love him. Um, there's the car mechanic, but he's not super important. Um, and there's Liv's friends, which are just a bunch of, like, you know, they're they're 20-year-old teenagers. Like, you know, they're all older people, and it's fine. Um, they're a bunch of idiots, and I love them. Uh, and then, of course, there's the animatronics, which is, you know, Willy, he's a giant weasel. There's an ostrich. There's um, a chameleon. There's, like, a weird fairy. There's a gorilla. Yeah, that one was odd. There's a turtle that is, for some reason, Mexican. Um... <sighs> There's a lot going on there, but they do all meet horrible and grisly deaths, which kicks ass. It does. It does kick ass. Uh, Namely, the it being Nick Cage. Nick Cage kicks ass. Uh, Within the first, like, I think the first incident with a an animatronic he just like breaks a broom over his fucking knee and just beats the shit out of this thing and it's funny because um i think i think you you brought this up a little bit in the outline but it is such like a video game movie in the sense that like the protagonist doesn't talk whenever he encounters a new person they just monologue at him like it's it's written very much like expository video game dialogue and it's so funny it just it made me think think of um legend of zelda just because link will walk into a situation and then somebody will monologue a problem at him so it 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 picks at this weird thing that we don't talk about in interactive narrative. Um, well, we talk about it just not often of like how weird that is that like non-voiced characters just get monologued at all the time and just end up in situations. Um, and then, because again, this is inspired by five nights at Freddy's. There's this weird um, kind of, kind of mechanic to the movie of text tells him that you have to take breaks. So no matter what, at a certain interval of time, when Nick Cage's watch goes off, literally, he left a child in the middle of a death match with an animatronic because his watch went off. He has to go play pinball and he has to go have a soda. It's, it's so no matter good. what is happening. It's the best scene in cinema, I think. <laughs> uh, so, it is. so like what happens is Liv, you know, this poor teenager, she's been fighting all these, you know, animatronics and like half of her friends are dead at this point. And, you know, earlier on, you know, Nick Cage, like she, she had like run up to an animatronic that was just standing there because, you know, they, they stand at the podium and wait. Uh, but she like drew this knife and she ran up at the animatronic and Nick Cage just like blocked her. And he's like, no, no, they're not. They're not. Fi- oh, he, well, I mean, he didn't say anything, but his body language was we just like, it. you know, you, you can't fight them right now. And he takes the knife from her. Um, and also it should be known that he drinks a soda called punch. It's just called punch. <laughs> punch uh, and he has like eight of them in the fridge and he's like working on dusting off this pinball machine and he's been doing that for the first half of the movie but then like in this latter half of the movie where Liv is about to get like you know her last friend is killed by this big chameleon that like has a weird tongue and it snaps her friend's neck Nick Cage comes up to save her um, and he's like alright we'll fight this chameleon together and then his watch goes off he looks at the watch, and then he looks at her. He looks at the chameleon, and then he pulls the knife back out and hands it to her and leaves! He just leaves! The 
confrontation, he just goes. And it is the funniest, like, mechanic I've ever seen in a movie because it's so video game, right? Like, you have a timer, and when the timer is done, your encounter's over. You go play a mini game. Like, it is just so... Like, if you've played a video game, I think the misconception about this movie, because I had somebody tell me it was terrible, and uh, I did not ask why. Uh, I think the misconception about this movie is it's a movie for horror fans. It's not. It's a movie for video game fans. Absolutely. No, if you like horror, you're not going to have a good time, because there is maybe one part, maybe two parts, where I was scared, and I'm very easily frightened. Like, there's no... There's a little bit of tension, like, when you think that there might be a jump scare, but that's it. Like... When you look at the animatronics, like there's like probably 80 different production companies that help do this, do this um, CGI work. So like they look bad and silly and, you know, not at all frightening. Um, but like as a as people who like video games, I mean, like this is this is perfect for people who are like, you know, I what what if Five Nights at Freddy's was in the Doom universe? <laughs> like it just it's so good and it hits all the tropes of what video games are like and like what we would like to be to interact with a protagonist that you know doesn't have any dialogue it's just like i'm just here to do my job and i'm not gonna do anything else in the meantime right okay because okay so like in five nights at freddy's 2 which is a genuinely like jump scary game right like it's frightening it's tense because you get to interact with it um there is this mechanic uh that gets introduced which is like this this jukebox and you have to go wind it uh, every once in a while or else the, the puppet in the jukebox kills you. Uh, and it, you know, because children's songs in movies are scary in like horror. Any, any like distorted, you've heard it, right? In every trailer, like any distorted ring around the rosy, like terrifying. So Willy's Wonderland has a birthday song, but like, it doesn't do anything. It's just there to kind of check a box, right? It's like, it's, it's your birthday, so we want you to have fun. And it just keeps playing every time an animatronic is about to come get you. But it's like, it, it it's not scary. It's not meant to be scary because, like you said, the animatronics are not scary. It's not supposed to be scary. It's goof-ass shit, and I love it. No, it's... It's funny. <laughs> it's completely bonkers, and, like, uh, I... I wish that the people that made this movie do actually make a profit on it because I think it's actually very smart if it is what they were going for. I mean, they hired Nicolas Cage for a reason. Whoever made this fucking movie knew what they were doing and they they did it in the best way possible. Um, And like, God, we can talk. Let's talk real quick about why, you know, like what you thought about the puppets, because in my notes, people consider animatronics scary and like. I don't know why that is. I was like, you know, what what makes animatronics scary? Is it just because of the uncanny valley? And uh, what did you write in our notes, Layla? Uh, I don't find them scary and Americans are weak. Finding animatronics <laughs> and clowns terrifying is a very American thing to the point of uh, there was an interview with the uh, creator of Resident Evil 8. And there is puppets in that game. There's a, a puppet lady, Donna. Um, and he's like, I didn't know the American fans would react like that. I found a weakness. And I'm like, that's right. You have, because no one else in the world finds clouds and animatronics scary. Is it like the potential that they'll move on their own? I don't know. Maybe that is, maybe that's like a weird thing. Like America doesn't like it when you can't see, you know, when they're not in control Maybe that's like a weird psychological, cultural thing. I don't know. I'm just doing fucking Sigmund Freud, but for Wally's Wonderland up here. But <laughs> just uh, armchair psychology for an entire country. Yeah. 
Um, I, I don't know. It's just very strange. But yeah, no, I do get that that response. It's like, I don't like the weird jerky motions. Like, I I cannot go to a Chuck E. Cheese and, and look at those fucking animatronics. It would scare the hell out of me. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's just a weird thing. I mean, I guess so. Um, I, I think the... the, the their eyes were too big to be scary, I think, or maybe not big enough to be scary, because in Five Nights at Freddy's, they have giant eyes, and they're pretty terrifying. Um, but uh, I think the one I found the most unsettling was the fairy, maybe because she was the only, like, humanoid? It was definitely weird, because you kind of expect them to be, like, animals, and all the other ones are, except for this fairy, and the fairy was was very strange i don't i don't know why they incorporated her in, in such a way but it was a little unsettling but she was you know manic and a little murder bot so she fit she was fun you know i didn't have that much of a problem with it i found her creepy but like in a not in like a scary way just in a maybe not this one way you know yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe maybe this doesn't fit in with the rest of the band i thought willie was cute Willie wasn't scary at all. He was just like kind of a big, long weasel thing. I mean, even at the end when he and Nick Cage have their final battle, like he he scratches him a little bit. But like, that's it. Like, what a, what a confrontation. There are, what a beautiful fight scene. Here's the thing. This movie is much more like a John Wick than than like a horror movie because like there are there are literal fight scenes like we set up before like you know that he hands the girl the knife and then she has a knife fight with a puppet and like that's fine but there are other ones where like the there's the one in the in the bathroom right where he gets ambushed by the gorilla which he should not have been ambushed by that gorilla because that gorilla is fucking 10 feet wide and apparently was just hanging from the ceiling and it dropped down on him i don't know how he didn't see it it was fine um but like there's like you know there's that's a thing in Mission Impossible 3 with, you know, Henry Cavill and Tom Cruise. Like, there's a bathroom fight scene, and they do a very similar thing where fucking Nick Cage, like, smashes the gorilla into the toilet. Um, there's there's another fight scene, probably my favorite one, which is where, so the sheriff turns out to be evil, and the sheriff, like, you know, handcuffs Nick Cage, and she's like, hey, I'm sorry, Willie, take him back, you know, he, we got this bastard, he doesn't speak for the rest of the town, please kill him and leave us alone. Uh, and her her daughter says the iconic line, like, he's not trapped in there with them, they're trapped in there with him. <laughs> and I fucking loved that. It was so corny and so good, and it was just perfect for what they were going for. But, but this fight is like, it's, I think it's the fairy, and, um, I don't know if it's the chameleon, or just like another weird one of them. But, like, he's handcuffed, and they're both, like, staring at him across this, like, pizza parlor. And right before they, you know, come and get him, he, like, puts the back of his boot to turn on some music. And he, like, turns on, like, another, like, stupid little kid's song. And they have a fucking showdown. And he, like, whoops up on them without his arms. He just, like, headbutts them. And, like, at the very end, he breaks out of the cuffs with just his raw muscle. <laughs> it's so, so good. It's so good. And the music choices in this movie are so just great, right? Because the soundtrack has to do all of the talking when Nick Cage won't. Like, he's not walking around monologuing what he's doing. He's just doing stuff. And so there has to be this, like, like a substitution almost of music. But the thing I am, like, the most heated about, I think, in, like, a good way, is that the Willy's Wonderland theme slaps. 
And I'm so mad that it explicitly is called, like, Willy's Wonderland because I can't just, like, put it in my Spotify <laughs> library. But it, it gives me such big journey vibes. Like, peak, like, uh, uh, separate ways, worlds apart journey. Like, that big, like, 80s sound that I fucking love. And I just, it's, it fucks. Every, and by the end of the movie, now mind you, I was drinking while I was watching the movie. By the end of the movie, I was just, like, singing along to it every time it came out. I watched all of the credits to get that song out of there. I... It just fucks, man. But, okay, so I... You mentioned John Wick. I really want you to expound on this Willy's Wonderland as a Western theory. Okay, okay. It's... Okay, so... The Western genre has a couple of tropes, and I think that Willy's Wonderland shares those tropes. Firstly, we have uh, a male protagonist who is kind of a tough guy that, you know, plays by his own rules, and he's wandering in from outside a town to a lawless a town that that's got some trouble he is waylaid there by reasons that don't really matter um but for whatever reason he you know he meets the sheriff of the town um and and other members of the town that inform him like oh you know there's there's some trouble here and it would you'd be doing us all a favor if you could help us if you could help us with this, you know, he, he gets caught up in a scheme where he's promised a fair deal, but also it's made clear, like, you know, the people that he's working with are shady and the deals rigged from the jump. Um, you know, there, I think in Westerns, there is, uh, there is a trope of the sheriff not being able to take over their own town or like the sheriff is gone from the town. Either way, the, you know, the sheriff is useless. So our protagonist has to reestablish order. Um, and there's several different, standoffs with a gang of lawless outlaws now in westerns those lawless outlaws might just be you know native americans or mexicans but here they are various animatronic robots that you know show up and try to rough up our protagonist and they do get a couple hits on on him right he he doesn't always win flawlessly but he does always win he wins the affection of the locals which in this case is a gang of teens that don't know how to burn down buildings properly um and they they sort of band together uh he is able to overcome the challenge at the end um and you know he takes off into the wilderness after taking the pay he was promised uh, despite the fact that the real the deal was rigged, I mean, now now sometimes in like what I'm drawing from is Red Dead Redemption. This is this follows a very similar arc to John Marston's arc um, in that video game. You know, in in Red Dead Redemption, John Marston is killed. He doesn't make it through the deal, but you know, sometimes they, sometimes they don't make it out. But in this one, they make it out, and I I think that I think that this movie's a western instead of a horror film. I I mean, well, withdrawing the comparison to John Wick, does that? Do you think that John Wick is also a Western then, or is it just like that that kind of action movie overlap? I've never seen John Wick, so I'm going to take your word on whatever the fuck you say. I think there's more emphasis on on action in John Wick. Like there there is some more world building, and you know you, you talk about the 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 thing of assassins. I, I wouldn't say that John Wick is a Western necessarily because like John Wick has a history, and he's not just like some guy that's coming in from out of town to solve a problem. Uh, I, I think Nick Cage is much more, you know, just the the Lone Ranger showing up to establish order, right? John John Wick is a hitman out for revenge. He he's not, you know, trying to to free the people of of some wrong. Um, whereas <laughs> Nicholas Cage, the janitor, is is the outside force. You know, perhaps it's it's the the sheriff or the bounty hunter that's come to bring in an outlaw that 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 no one else can stop. Or maybe he's the you know the American government coming in to to bring quote unquote civilization to the lawless frontier. Um but 
in this case, he functions in the same way and does bring order and peace back to the town. Um, and they literally call well, him cowboy at one point. He wears cowboy boots. And um, listen, I'm not wrong is what I'm saying. I'm agreeing with you. I think I think you're right. I think it is a Western. Um, I, <laughs> I wish I wish I watched more Westerns for this podcast. No, it's it's true. He does. And he does get to leave in like, I don't know. If, I don't know if I would say he brought peace to the town because he did. Com- there were a few murders. Uh, also, uh, that happens the- in Westerns. A lot of murders do happen. <laughs> that's true uh uh all of the kids except for live die which can we just have like a like a vigil for the bimbo kaylee cowan yeah pour one out for her she was great oh she was like Liv starts out the movie handcuffed uh because her mom handcuffs her within the van and uh uh all her friends come in and like one of them obviously has a crush on her and they're all like arguing about where the keys to these handcuffs are and this girl in her little leopard coat walks over and just with a fucking uh bobby pin gets in there and unlocks it and i love her and and uh she died uh being uh horny for death which is um in the in the satanic ritual suicide room a thing we somehow haven't brought up yet okay but that's kind of also the point right like they they do exposition dump, but like this movie's under ninety minutes. Like they don't over exposit. They do exactly the amount. Eighty eight. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful. Eighty eight minutes, baby. Um, I watched the Da Vinci Code earlier this week. I wish that, that fucking Ron Howard or at least Dan Brown had tried to cut back a little bit. Um, but is that a Ron Howard flick? Yes, he directed both Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. Um. One of those movies I've seen. Couldn't tell you which one. Uh, Yeah, no, he should have taken uh, notes from whoever the fuck directed this masterpiece. They were in and out in a tight 88 minutes, and that's including credits. Yeah, but like, exactly. Like, they they were like, okay, we should probably give the audience a reason to like, we can't just be like, the animatronics are just aliens and they're evil. But they're just like, okay, there was a bunch of murderers here. And they, you know, they they killed people. And when the cops closed in, they sold their souls to Satan. And now they live in the animatronics. That's all you need. You need to go deeper. Nope. I I completely understand the narrative shorthand of selling your soul to the devil. And then the town also makes a deal with the devil to protect the people that the animatronics were then killing. They were like, hey, we will feed you. And I think some of my favorite dialogue is the sheriff, like, apologizing to Willie. Willie, who does also doesn't talk for most of, all or most of the movie. And, uh, it, like, it's just so fucking funny because she'll come in and she'll just genuflect to him. She's like, Willie, I'm so sorry. He doesn't speak for us. And <laughs> yes, this it's extremely like embarrassed mom coming up to the mayor after her child like threw a tomato at him or something she's like i'm so sorry this is this is very embarrassing for us uh please just devour this man and leave us in peace uh i apologize it kicks ass that being said i'm so glad she didn't get a redemption arc because she sucked and there was a moment where because she handcuffs her kid to a fucking rail you know but there was a moment where i was like when she was, like, driving to get Liv from, from Willy's Wonderland, I was like, oh, no, are they going to redeem her? And they didn't. They didn't. They did and not. Fucks. No, she gets to leave with Nick Cage. 
Yes. And like, it's so smart to do that because I think a, a lesser writer would, would have been like, oh, and now she has a change of heart. She comes back and she's like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you defeat the evil people. And you know, maybe she'll die heroically. But like she got she gets a redemption arc. But like, there's no need for that. We see that she's a shitty mom from the beginning. She's been in it on it the whole time. Like, of it makes so much more narrative sense to just be like, nah, fuck her. She's dead, too. And like, that's what happens. Willie kills her. <laughs> Uh, and, you know, fights Nick Cage. It, it, it rules. And Tex McAdoo and the mechanic don't get to get away either. They explode. Yeah, that was a weird last minute add-on. They're, the one doll that survived, the pixie, just like sets their tailpipe on fire and blows up all three of them. I thought it was fine just because, I, I don't know, to me it said that the fucking murder bots are creatures of chaos and they don't give a fuck. <laughs> Also, the one at the very, very end showed up. Like the one, the Liv, Liv was like, "Okay, I'm gonna shoot you," because she like she was getting taken home by this other police officer. But then, like, I guess one of the puppets got on top of the car and and you know killed him. And she was about to shoot him with the shotgun. The puppet somehow got the shotgun shells out with his fucking foam fingers. So that was very funny. So she was like, "Whatever, pendejo," and she turns turns the shotgun around and beats him to death with it. But he didn't die. So the one of the very the second to last shot of the movie is Nick Cage fucking running a Mexican turtle over with his goddamn charger. It's so good. <laughs> listen, listen. That is one bad ombre is my favorite line in all of cinema. There... Is it good? No. Is it respectful? No. But is it funny? Yes. It, yes, it's it's great. Funny. It's almost as funny as the line. Like, oh, listen, I did, I did. I, part sometimes there's one black uh, uh, cast member in like the group of kids, and sometimes he would say things that I'd be like, "Who wrote this? Who?" Yeah, it was a lot. But there was a moment where the the bimbo, and I say that lovingly, uh, uh, bimbo parentheses celebratory, um, she got turned on by the sat- satanic ritual suicide room and he just turns around and he's like oh you're a freak freak then. <laughs> <I was laughs> like, yeah, yeah that, that slapped um he also had possibly my favorite line in the movie which is like everyone was arguing about trying to go in to rescue Liv because she went in to talk to nick cage and you know they're like oh you want to stay here and he's like i actually want to leave and i thought y'all might want to also <laughs> like what are y'all doing here like i thought that was hysterical <laughs> And meanwhile, the dumb shit that's, like, in love with her, I, I love the way he died, because there was an animatronic that came up to him who was like, Chris, I'm not like the other ones. Free me, Chris. Send me to the afterlife. And then Liv walks in, she's like, what the fuck are you doing, you idiot? Because <laughs> she's the only one with brain cells. And then fucking puppet gets so mad at her, and it kills him. I'm like, that's what you get for not killing her on sight, boy. You gotta, you gotta get with the times. They all had great deaths. The, uh, the, the bimbo and, um, the, uh, 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 I don't want to call him the black kid. Fuck. I mean, for a horror movie, he does check that box of, like, the one person of color. <sighs> yeah. Unfortunately, I am so I don't remember any of these kids' names. Unfortunately, they're all they're all stereotypes to me, except for Liv. But like, because they were written that way. Uh, but uh, 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 they die fucking, and it's the most funny, like campy, like buckets of gore situation. They get eaten by an evil alligator. It's pretty good. And she did say, "Hey, has that thing been watching us?" And he's like, "Let's give him a show." <laughs> 
and y'all died boning. And you know what? That's how it's I want to go than, out. <laughs> it's better than Uku. It's better than some of the other deaths. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, one of them gets impaled by a, a big knight. I guess one of the animatronics was just a knight. Um, oh, yeah, that was a weird one, too. I don't know why they just had some dude no. with a sword. With a big, uh, it was like a Minecraft sword almost. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. There's just so much wild shit that happens. Um, it's a wild little flick. And I loved all beautiful, tightly edited 88 minutes of it. Honestly, perfect. I I don't... I, I was just so pleasantly surprised by this. If you've got 90 minutes to kill, I highly, highly recommend it. It slaps. It's it's very fun, and I mean, like we said, it's not like a you know it's not the most perfect movie in the world, but it's it, listen, it's damn near close. <laughs> it's pretty darn close. It's a good damn film. It's pretty darn close. A solid. I, I will give it a nine point two out of ten. Absolutely. <laughs> For sure. I feel like that's it. That's it. It could be a short one. Yeah, there's not a whole lot of character dialogue and plot we could dig into. I think we pretty much no, nailed it. No, in fact. Uh, in fact, there was very little time. <laughs> yes, explicitly so. Um, yeah, well, Layla, when we're not talking about the most uh, horrible way a bunch of animatronic robots can maim us, uh, where can people find you on the internet? Well, I'm generally talking about how horrible uh, animatronics could maim me, but you could find me doing that at L-E-Y-L-S-E-S on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram. Um, I just wrote an essay about parasocial relationships and Bo Burnham's Inside, uh, his new special uh, and uh, I draw sometimes. Aaron, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on the internet at AaronSXL. I mostly tweet about uh, health policy, but also just some wild stuff, uh, such as, actually, it's just cicadas right now, again, unfortunately. But um, I'm also, I also put out an essay today about why I think that the Cruella's mom gets pushed off a cliff by a Dalmatian is actually good and villain origin stories need to be preserved. Um, I'll put links to both of our essays in this as well. Um, I also have another podcast uh, at The Bible Boys. Uh, We just watched The Da Vinci Code, which was quite a bad movie, uh, but I had a good time. And next week we'll be watching 100 and are reading 101 questions about the Bible and Christianity, which is a comic book that does make some leaps uh which i would highly recommend you you tune in for um next week the da vinci code a movie that i may or may not have seen uh and do not know if i watched it or uh angels and demons and also thought nick cage was the star of like i said in that episode if we got a (laughs) uh national treasure movie that starred tom hanks and a da vinci's code that starred nicholas cage we would be living in the best timeline Our theme song is Obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at keshko.bandcamp.com. Layla, what do we say to the kids when we're uh, we're welcoming them to our pizza parlor? It's your birthday and we want you to have fun. It's your birthday, so come on, listen.